0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, everyone.
1: We're back. We took last week off to recover from the week of back-to-back meetings that we had on our first ever TechBuzz China investor trip. And let me just say, it was a great success. Thank God. We were able to visit companies that we've covered on the podcast, like Hong Xiaohongshu, Ruhan, Xiaomi, China Renaissance, Tiger Brokers, and others, as well as a bunch of new companies that we have yet to write about in detail, like C-Trip, Mogu Jie, Qutou Tiao, and Bilibili. Thank you again, everyone, for hosting us. And of course, thanks to all of you who joined us, especially the fans who came to our happy hours in Shanghai and Beijing. Yes, that was really great to meet you guys. And thank you so much to everyone
0: on the trip who met with us. We learned a ton. And today's episode is somewhat inspired by the conversations we had with the companies this month, as well as some topics we've been keeping an eye on for a while. Luckily for us, the conversations confirmed rather than disproved all that we've been sharing with you on TechBuzz so far. Things like the rise of the rural consumer, the increasing focus on B2B, the dominance of Alibaba and Tencent. All of these things are definitely true.
1: Something else that's true? The rise of the influencer and idle economies in China and how they are changing the face of Chinese tech, especially e-commerce. We'll give you some famous examples of what it's like to be a Chinese influencer or what a dedicated Chinese fan really does. And how this whole new ecosystem that they've created may be redirecting how large Chinese internet companies operate.
0: Personally, while the KOL story may be more relevant currently, I find the idol story much more interesting and bizarre, and more uniquely Chinese. So we're gonna tell you about both, and you can let us know after the show which one you enjoyed more. The president's key economic team to China.
1: Uh, after whole night banking, I say I still wanna do it. <laughs> Hi, everyone. We are Tech Buzz China by Pan Daily, powered by the Seneca Podcast Network. We are a bi weekly podcast focused on giving you a peek into what's buzzing within the tech community in China. We uncover and contextualize unique insights, perspectives, and takeaways on headline tech news that don't always make it into English language coverage, so you can be smarter about the world of China tech. tech Buzz China is a part of Pandaily.com, an English language site that tells you everything about China's innovation. And I'm one of your two co-hosts, Ray Ma.
0: And I'm your other co-host, Ying Lu. We'd like to acknowledge our partners, Deal Street Asia and Sub China, the creator of the Seneca Podcast Network. In addition to TechBuzz, you can also find Seneca, which covers current affairs, Nui Voices and Ta for Ta on women, the business oriented China Econ Talk, and the Tyson Seneca
1: Business Brief from China's leading business magazine. Oh, before we forget, we want to share with you the Information's expertly curated event on the tech and transport revolution in Asia, taking place in Hong Kong on the afternoon of November the 6th. So go to theinformation.com for more information and let them know we sent you. Finally, as always, if you enjoyed listening to our podcast,
0: please leave us a review on iTunes or whatever other platform you use. And to incentivize you guys to do so, we're going to enter everyone who writes us a review on iTunes into a drawing, and the winner shall receive a copy of Matt Sheehan's The Trans-Pacific Experiment. We'll do the drawing when we hit 100 ratings, so help us get there. Oh, and one more thing before we start. We want to tell you about a brand new master's program nearby at the University of San Francisco. USF's Master's in Applied Economics combines econ training with the practical skills in data analytics that you really need to understand today's new digital economy. Their curriculum covers skills like R and Python, machine learning, and experimental design. To learn more and to get a fee waiver for the Fall 2020 class, please go to usfca.edu/techbuzz.
1: So first off, let's give everyone the stat that I think always surprises me, no matter how many times I hear it, and that is the percentage of total retail sales in China that's taking place online. Well, I have seen it as low as 24% in some places, the one that's most often cited is eMarketer's projection that online sales will be 35% this year of total retail sales, and that's growing 30% from last year.
0: Now, there aren't too many $2 trillion markets growing at 30% annually, but Chinese e-commerce is one of them. Compare that with U.S. e-commerce, though, which hasn't pushed much beyond 10% of total retail in the last few years. Knowing that, it shouldn't surprise us that e-commerce in China is often more innovative than its Western counterpart, just on
1: account of its scale and its rapid rise. The main innovation in the past few years is selling via live streaming, and the two groups that have enabled this to happen are influencers, a.k.a. KOLs, which stands for Key Opinion Leaders, and IDOLs, or celebrities. KOLs are responsible for the bulk of action currently, but celebrities are also jumping in. Live streaming shopping is exactly what it sounds like, which is people basically selling stuff while streaming video. Think like TV shopping, except much more interactive, because you're basically also in a giant chat room with all the other people who are also currently viewing this live stream.
0: Strictly speaking, here at TechBuzz, we try to follow the latest tech-related headlines in China. So this one's a little late because we're basically telling you about a series of stories that have come to the forefront since the summer, and that is the number of A-list celebrities who are experimenting with live streaming. Celebrities
1: like Vicky Zhao and Aaron Kwok who have all been A-listers for decades. So the Hollywood equivalent would be like if Julia Roberts or Brad Pitt suddenly started hawking wine or shampoo on TikTok from a random studio in downtown LA. And if you're thinking these celebrities are old school and don't pique your interest, well, think again. Because in China, the younger, hipper ones are also selling. I don't want to date myself or reveal just how uncool I am. So let's just say the Chinese equivalent of someone like Taylor Swift also does live stream e-commerce. And she's maybe selling lipstick or jewelry or even less sexy things like toothpaste. Toothpaste.
0: And as we'll explain, it's not just Chinese e-commerce, but multiple pieces of the entire consumer internet landscape overall that's changing, especially if it has anything to do with content. And all of these changes are being driven, as you would expect, by Gen Zers, i.e. those who are born in the mid-1990s and later. But first, let's start. What makes a
1: KOL? KOL. A KOL or influencer, as opposed to an idol or celebrity, is someone who is presumably normal before they became famous online. That is, they often had a job or identity outside of the entertainment industry, but because of either some fluke or good luck or by sheer effort, they began to build a distinctive audience that follows them for some specific expertise. It could be advice about romantic relationships, or fashion, or travel, or one of the many other industries that people wanna know more about. That's
0: pretty much the same as in the US, but we can also give you some hard numbers around influence and reach, although these are always a moving target. Based on one recent article though, Apparently, you are a KOL if you have more than 300,000 WeChat official account fans, half a million Weibo fans, one million TikTok or Kuaishou fans, 50,000 Xiaohongshu fans,
1: or 50,000 Bilibili fans. That sounds right, since those are the most social and community-oriented sites in Chinese internet. And just by the magnitude of followers required, you can get a sense of the size of each platform and the relative engagement on them. There are only 50k fans you need for Xiaohongshu, for example, versus 1 million for Douyin or TikTok. Obviously, Xiaohongshu is a lot smaller than TikTok, but its users are also highly motivated to shop and primarily go onto the app to discover what to buy, whereas people are just looking to be entertained on Douyin. An online survey of a few hundred brands showed that
0: 60% chose KOL marketing as a main channel for advertising, making it the most popular choice. And of course, there is good reason to be so bullish. One of the most famous KOLs, Taobao's Weiya, a.k.a. Via, sold over $45 million of goods last year on Singles Day, most of in the first two hours of her 15-hour marathon live stream. For comparison, that is on par with a global brand like Uniqlo.
1: And don't you think that it's just female influencers who are breaking records, although they do make up 80% of streamers? Li Jiaqi a.k.a. Austin Lee, is a man who used to sell makeup at a department store counter. Now he live streams cosmetics e-commerce. And he once sold 23,000 lipsticks in just five and a half hours. And he is so popular that he even got Jack Ma himself to engage in a live streaming lipstick selling contest with him. Yep, just imagine Jack Ma selling lipstick. It's all to promote about single stakes extravaganza, of course.
0: For many of these top influencers, they have their own T-Mall store and have revenue splits with brands that are performance-based. Some of them even design their own goods, of course. But for those who don't have the capital or the audience to create their own physical brand, they're mostly just spokespeople for new products seeking exposure. And so
1: it doesn't always work as intended. For example... Recently, there was a scandal where this one angry e-commerce entrepreneur who hired a so-called fashion KOL to promote his product showed screenshots displaying that he had sold zero dollars of goods despite paying over $5,000 for a sponsored video and post.
0: The video ended up with over 120,000 views and nearly 1,000 comments and retweets each, but it produced zero dollars in GMV. But is that really the fault of the KOL? First of all, his product, a device that was supposed to eliminate menstrual pain, already sounded far-fetched. But also, the MCN that managed the KOL responded by saying that they had abided exactly by the contract that was signed, which only had terms around how much to spend on the video and promotion.
1: I think he's just going to have to suck it up. He should have signed a smarter contract. But wait a minute, you might be asking, what is this MCN that we speak of? Well, it stands for multi-channel network. MCN. Although you might have previously heard of it being referred to as online video studio, or maybe even YouTube network. Effectively, it's an organization that works with channel owners, i.e. content creators, and content platforms, i.e. social media companies. And What they do is they take care of all the business dealings that might take place between the two, like finding product, organizing programming, administering advertising, and more. That's
0: a lot of work, right? Well, a Chinese style MCN does even more than that. Many also incubate KOLs, meaning that they find high potential accounts and lavish resources and training on the creators so that they can grow their fan bases. This means they're constantly scouting for new talent, much like Hollywood or athletic scouts. And of course, when the time is ripe, they do the matchmaking between brands and KOLs and may take a healthy cut of the transaction. That's also not unlike talent agencies.
1: In recent years, MCNs have experienced explosive growth in China. Part of that is due to the fact that Chinese social media platforms have legitimized them by signing on quote-unquote official MCN partners. Douyin aka TikTok, Weibo, and Kuaishou have all signed official framework agreements with professionally run MCNs and give them priority and resources. As early as 2016, for example, Weibo was working with over 200 MCNs. I'm sure that number has increased many fold by now since there are now more than 5,000 MCNs in China.
0: By the way, you know which company we've covered in the past is an MCN and indeed labels itself as such on its own corporate website? Ruhan or Rune from episode 41. That's the company behind China's Kylie Jenner. We actually visited Rune and spoke with the CFO this month on our inaugural investor trip. And we saw for ourselves the whole floor of employees that are dedicated to their top influencer, Zhang Dai
1: It's hard to make money as an MCN though, and few have grown to be as big as Ruhan. Because, well, only 6% of them make over $14 million in annual revenue. Most of them are still very small businesses. But that hasn't stopped investors from jumping in, of course. In 2018, 60% of the MCN surveyed purported to have raised funding. Of course, most of that was Series A and below, as industry is still in its infancy.
0: All right, so MCNs are basically one-stop shops that act like a super agent, finding latent KOLs, nurturing them, investing in them, and pairing them up with a steady stream of customers. Of course, MCNs don't just cater to e-commerce. There's also ones focused on esports, for example, but they're pretty easy to understand and just a bit more involved than what you'd see here in the US. What about this idol business, though? That is way different, Right.
1: Yeah, if KOLs operate roughly like what you'd expect, idols and celebrities probably do not. I'm not sure if it's uniquely Chinese, because I think there's some crazy fans in Japan and Korea as well. But organized fan groups of the scale you see in China just don't seem to be the norm in the U.S., as far as I can tell anyway. And we'll pick one specific example to illustrate what we mean. First of all, we
0: should probably explain the nuance between idol, or idol and celebrity, or 明星. While the latter basically means what you would expect—actors, singers, TV hosts, etc.—idols are a subgroup within celebrities that originally referred to good-looking and personable celebrities from outside of China, most often from Japan or Korea.
1: By personable, we actually mean that they have carefully manufactured appearances, personalities, and personal narratives. And these are meant to attract the most number of fans. And most of these idols are very, very young, often breaking out as teenagers. I think anyone familiar with the Japanese and Korean popular music industry and culture will verify that this mostly works.
0: China, to a large degree, has imported this way of producing new pop entertainers. One of the best examples is the ridiculously popular girl band reality TV show called Produce 101 that's funded by Tencent, and is itself a spin-off of a South Korean show that's created by the entertainment
1: conglomerate CJ. The show basically whittled down 101 hopeful contestants to a final group of just 11 girls and relied on well-known gimmicks such as audience voting to create user engagement. Season 1 had more than 4.3 billion views and 90 million mentions on Weibo and propelled dozens of girls from unknowns to real stars, at least in the idol sense. Take the phenomenon
0: Yang Chaoyue, Chaoyue Yang. Yang's claim to fame is that, well, she is aggressively mediocre. <laughs> no, really. And even that might be too generous an assessment. That's why we pick her as an example, because her continued popularity is honestly somewhat baffling, and so is an exceptionally good example of the power of the internet in China. As far as we know, she was and continues to be bad dancer, a bad singer, and just massively untalented compared to the tens of thousands of other girl band hopefuls in China, many of whom, by the way, have been training for this industry since a very young age. And she admits
1: to this. The reason that Yang is so unqualified, though, is simple. She grew up in rural China without much education, and because she was young and pretty and also tall, I may add, she was able to join an entertainment agency and do odd jobs such as being the cosplay girl at video game conventions instead of, say, going to work at a factory. But she never got proper entertainment training.
0: In many ways, she's lucky, because there could have been plenty of other less savory outcomes for someone who looks like her, but she ended up on Produce 101, and all of her weaknesses actually became her strengths. Many people became her fans precisely because she had such a humble background, it's something they could identify with, not because she was actually talented, but
1: they wanted her to have a chance. And so they self-organized into fan groups for her. Voting for her, holding fundraisers for her, and sometimes literally directly giving her money, either money to buy luxury goods for herself or pooling together money to buy gifts for her. Some fan
0: groups even challenged each other to hold fundraisers for their idols for no reason other than to show who's more popular. In many of these self-organized contests, the winner raised over $200,000, And all this, by the way, is in addition to the many duplicate Tencent video or ITE VIP memberships that they may have bought in order to cast extra votes for their idol.
1: Casting votes to win the contest seems normal, even if they're gaming the system with the extra memberships. Less scrupulous to me is when certain brands have taken advantage of the fans and said that they would only sign the idol on as a spokesperson if certain sales records were met. Effectively, what they're doing is getting the fans to pay for their idol to be hired. (sighs) And let's not even talk about when fans have organized large-scale fundraisers to rent giant billboards, entire building faces, for their idol's birthdays. There is definitely a special obsession with idol birthdays. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery
0: yeah, remember when Chris Wu's fans swamped US iTunes in advance of his birthday and basically had his new album sweep the charts? Yeah, they totally game the system unethically. But still, it was funny to see so-called experts tweet that, oh my god, this is another example of China taking over. Clearly, they don't know the first thing about this whole ecosystem of economic activity produced by fans, aka Fan Quan. For example, in Chris's case, his fans had self-organized to collectively game various channels in addition to iTunes, such as Google Play, Spotify, and Apple Music. Actually, that's a really impressive level of self-organization. But okay, you're probably asking us now, as crazy as these fans are, what do they do that might actually affect these technology companies?
1: Well, for one, there's probably a lot of fake data that's generated by these overeager fans. Just like trending on Twitter, the Chinese social media equivalent Weibo has a concept of 热搜, or hot searches. Getting your idol to the top of the hot searches list, or bang is considered a huge achievement that requires much coordination. But fan groups attempt to do it on a regular basis, and not for any particularly good reason either. Like we said, it's mainly to demonstrate their idol's continued popularity. Yeah,
0: that is, it isn't always for promoting new albums or movies or anything like that. Often, it's just to show strength. For example, another one of Produce 101's starlet's fans, not Yang Chaoyue, decided that they would try to get her birthday trending for no reason other than to well, show that she is popular. They got the tweet to be retweeted 6.3 million times.
1: How do they do that? Well, obviously, by using a ton of fake accounts and systematically logging into each one and retweeting from there. This explains why when you look at the actual replies on many of these popular idol social media accounts, there are a ton of empty ones that are clearly made by volunteers to schwabang or flood the platforms to get their idols trending. So if
0: you think zombie accounts and fake engagement on Western social media platforms are a problem, imagine how much of a headache it is for Chinese platforms for whom many Gen Z fans supporting their idols by showing the best social media stats is basically a blood sport. They're doing it for no reason other than being able to say that their idol is on top. And sometimes because of pure
1: superstition that doing so will bring them good luck. Could you really say Weibo and other platforms are not encouraging this type of behavior though? By one count, there are 77 such trending lists that idols could top at any given moment. I think the platforms are well aware of what creating such lists do for the rabidly competitive fans, but they keep on adding oil to the fire because they benefit too from all these headlines proclaiming millions of views and forwards.
0: And many others have also seen the business opportunity in all this chaos. Given the large amount of coordination, logistics, payments, travel, that these campaigns all require, wouldn't it make sense to make software to take care of the admin? And of course, someone has thought of that already. One of the most famous such apps was called Xingyuan, which meant Help Star. And sure enough, it allowed you to help your star by purchasing fake accounts
1: starting at a fraction of a cent. Earlier this year, though, it got in trouble and was delisted from app stores because I guess finally it pissed off some stakeholder badly enough to be banned. But even though it was one of the biggest, there are dozens of apps just like it still floating around. In terms
0: of e-commerce, almost one-third of Gen Z responders said they'd be willing to buy products that their idols endorsed, or the same products that their idols used, and a fifth would be willing to attend their idols' live stream and buy virtual gifts. Apparently, 6% said they would be willing to spend money on their idol every single day. That's upwards of almost $1,000 a month. And a Sequoia China report showed that one in six born post-2000, that is, people, mostly girls, by the way, still in their teens and younger, consider themselves star chasers, meaning that their primary hobby was supporting their
1: idols. This entire phenomenon has been dubbed fancijingji, or fan economy. As many have noted, as soon as people saw that there was money to be made from these liu liang or pop idols with lots of internet traffic, there was bound to be large-scale abuse. We don't know the exact numbers for China, but an estimate by an American economist predicted that fake followers will cost brands about $1.5 billion in advertising dollars this year, or 15% of the total $8.5 billion that's currently projected.
0: I would definitely not be surprised if that number is higher in China, but at least there are real sales happening. But that doesn't mean the sales aren't problematic. Although some live streamers are actually selecting and selling products through their own shops, or even creating them as their own branded products, in the case of some of Ruhan or Rune's top influencers, many are just selling other people's stuff. Meaning that they aren't taking care of returns or customer service, and they might not know the product very well, or at least they're not incentivized to tell you the truth about the product.
1: Yeah, which is why some of the best-selling KOLs and idols are more protective of their reputations and only hawk products they know well and can vouch for. As for the lesser KOLs, though, I wish their customers luck because they may not have even picked out those products themselves, but instead been assigned to sell them by the MCN.
0: Okay, So don't just buy anything you see in a live stream, and don't always believe the KOL's answers about the product, no matter how sincere they seem. What else did we learn today, Ray? Well,
1: for one, we learned that one-third of China's total retail sales are taking place online, making its e-commerce platforms some of the most innovative and advanced in the world. And in recent years, the one bandwagon that everyone has jumped on is live streaming e-commerce.
0: Alibaba had disclosed earlier this year that it sold over $15 billion worth of goods through its 4,000 live streaming hosts, this is in 2018, an increase of more than 400%. Why are they so popular? Well, viewers get to view the goods in 3D, and their questions get answered in real time. Those are the utilitarian benefits, but if you listen in on some of the streams, the influencers, or KOLs, who host them are just downright entertaining, and they're well-informed, so their charisma
1: and sales skills are just as important. In China, KOLs are being manufactured by MCNs, or multi-channel networks, which are organizations that take high potential influencers when they're just starting out and build them to serious businesses by pairing them up with brands and advertisers. But it's not just the KOLs who are basically normal people with the expertise who are getting into live streaming e-commerce. Celebrities, including some A-listers, are also getting into the game.
0: The culture of celebrity worship in China is more similar to Japan and Korea than to the U.S. though. While there's diehard fans everywhere, Gen Zers in East Asia take it to another level by organizing these intense fan groups that will do whatever it takes to keep their idols on top, whether that means by buying fake social media accounts and retweeting until their idol is trending, faking positive reviews, or buying votes for their idol, or straight up crowdfunding money to give to their idol for luxury items, for celebrations, for whatever reason.
1: That's all on top of buying albums and concert tickets, of course. In the US, buying merch and posting about your favorite artist would already be considered pretty involved. But in East Asia, fans have apps and organized systems for this where everyone's assigned a task and everyone has to screenshot what they did for their idol that day as a sort of daily check-in and to be accountable to the whole group. And this behavior might be increasing, not decreasing. When I asked a group of Chinese college students this month what they felt distinguished those born post-1995 from those born post-2000 or the 九五后 versus the Ho which is by the way, a common distinction used in China, the Ho or post-95s almost universally said that the post-2000s tended to spend a lot more on their idols. And that's a statistic that's supported by various surveys. One point we want to leave you with though, is that live streaming
0: e-commerce isn't going to just stay contained within China. Whether or not it will import successfully into the U.S., that's hard to say. Although there's no shortage of people who are actively trying to test it out here, seeing how successful it's been in China. What we do know is that Chinese platforms are actively trying to export it to
1: other parts of Asia. The top-selling Taobao livestreamer we mentioned earlier, Via, has already tried her luck in South Korea, where she apparently sold an average of one product per second. Pretty good, right? And in Southeast Asia, Alibaba-owned Lazada is already using local stars to try their hand at what they're calling shoppertainment, a.k.a. live streaming e-commerce.
0: As for within China itself, the question is not whether live streaming e-commerce will stick around. It definitely will when you're Alibaba and you're seeing stats like 32 items put into the shopping cart for every 100 live streams. The question is whether idols and celebrities with huge amounts of fan followings will find more success or whether micro-influencers will start picking up more business because of their more targeted audiences, kind of like how we've seen in the West.
1: One thing we've seen in China that's different from the West is actors and singers' willingness to sell stuff. In a way, it's almost a requirement to have this secondary career because censorship is always hovering in the background and it can delay or even cancel a project you've been working on for a while. So selling stuff is just a relatively safer way to monetize your fame. I mean, even the blacklisted Fan Bingbing has found a new way to survive by launching her own beauty brand on Xiaohongshu. So I am personally bullish on celebrities taking a bigger share of this live streaming e-commerce pie.
0: All right, TechBest listeners, what do you think? Will micro-influencers gain more of the pie or will the top idols do so? Or will there maybe be segmentation by demographic and older users will be more drawn to normal influencers while the young continue to get caught up in the fan economy and take out their wallets for the best looking stars? And what will be the longer term impacts of this amplification of Ta Jingzi or her economy? Tweet at us to let us know what you think.
1: Okay, that's all for this week, folks. Thanks for listening. We really enjoyed putting this together, as usual, and we are always open to any comments or suggestions. You can find us on Twitter at ThePanDaily, at TechBuzzChina, and my personal Twitter account is spelled R-U-I-M-A. And my Twitter
0: is spelled G-I-N-Y-G-I-N-Y. TechBuzzChina by Pandaily is powered by the Seneca Podcast Network on SubChina, Pandaily.com is an English language site that tells you everything about China's innovation. Our producers are Sha Wan and Kaiser Guo. Thank you for listening.